Aloha and welcome. You're listening to Soul, your host for Pay Me What I'm Worth Talk Radio. Imagine me bowing in gratitude before you for taking the time to join us on a special journey. Did you miss a week? No worries. Listen to all of our prior shows at bit.ly forward slash pay radio. Again, bit.ly forward slash pay radio. To get one reminder of our next show, be sure to click on the follow button up at the top of the page. And now it's time to sit back and to learn along with the rest of us. Get ready to meet some amazing souls as they make real changes in daily life. I recommend you find some notepaper, then get ready to enjoy a few ahas as you listen to this show. I'm delighted and thrilled to introduce you to Christina Irvin, team leader for Team Clarity. Hello, I'm Christina Irvin, and I'm happy to extend this special invitation for you to eavesdrop on Team Clarity's discussion as we dive into the next exercise of Pay Me What I'm Worth. Next, let's meet the rest of the team. Hello, this is Chelsea Wells from the mountains of Tennessee. Have a blessed day. Hi, this is Marcia Sertino, and I'm in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello and welcome from the gorgeous state of Wisconsin. This is Patty Anderson. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Julia Cologne from the city that never sleeps, New York City. Team Clarity members share their class time with us for two main reasons. Reason number one, they want those they hold near and dear to know about the changes that they're making on multiple levels. As they change, by listening to these classes, people who know Team Clarity members may opt to change along with them. Reason number two, to share their stories with you. I bet their stories and life lessons will inspire all sorts of ahas for you too. Okay, time to start the class. And good morning to Team Clarity. It's Good to be meeting with everybody again today. Whew, I don't know about you guys, but let's just kick it off with the discussion. Really, I want to kind of check in with everybody. And how are you feeling with what's happening with you, a mental perspective, emotional, spiritual? How are you feeling right now? Do a little check. Dizzy. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to say that I think this is probably a more of a difficult one for me because my situation being that I don't have a job, so it's really hard for me to get past what am I worth. Like I said, I left the islands and I left everything behind. I left all that material stuff behind. So all I really have are my memories, and it seems like most of my memories are just moments that I enjoyed. <laughs> I don't remember material things too much, but I just remember all the memories of people and places in my life that I thoroughly enjoy. It will always be there for me. So I found that interesting, though, Marsha, because this part of our journey is really dealing with your worth as it relates to material things. As I've gotten to know you more and more, I don't find you to be a materialistic person, I'm not. <laughs> so it almost leads me to think that you know what's coming. You know that that whole internal check, and of course that was a part of the end of discussion this week in the chapter, think more about the internal worth, or really are you speaking about your experience from material part of it? 
I'm speaking of it from the material part, I think. I really think as far as internal, I know where I'm going with my internal. I know what direction I want to take it. I know how it, my soul feels. My spirit wants to fly. <laughs> Let me put it to you that way. It just wants to take off and become the full me. Good stuff, good stuff. So, Julia, how are you feeling so far? I feel fantastic. Thank you for asking. You want to know? <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, Marcia, I, I find that if someone is not a materialistic person, then those memories do have value to you. I would rather have the memories than the actual possessions. So take those memories and jot them in a journal for yourself. One of my biggest fears, and I'm going to say was a fear, I would get old and not remember the good things that have happened in my life. Thinking about writing a journal and so forth, but I'm going to do a journal just for myself, not out of fear that I'm going to lose my memory, but something that I'm going to actually enjoy and look back because there's going to be so many good memories that are going to happen in our lives and we're going to forget because there's so many other things that are happening because you just can't put a price on memories. There's, there's no point for it. And you're the one who experienced it and you're the one who had that moment, so you deserve it. You're worthy of it. I'm grinning from ear to ear on that one. Writing a journal not out of fear is good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. I hope you're all starting your own worth journal. I hope you have a separate journal by your side as you go through our process with us because with that journal, when it comes to our worth passport exercises, that one-page summary, it makes writing that one-page summary much, much easier. Julia, I've got a question for you. Would you share what a email is all about and how it shook you? It was an email that I got from Joel Brown, and it was an audio, and the audio started off by saying something to the terms of your self-worth is your net value. And I immediately took the word net value, thought of money, the money in my bank account. I became fearful because... I was like, oh, well, I don't have that much. I mean, money in the bank, like I'm not a millionaire. I became fearful when I actually caught myself and said, money is not going to define who I am. It shouldn't control my life. And I shouldn't be fearful of what my, net, what my bank account has. It, there's no price on who I am as a person, as a mother, as a friend, as a wife. And I immediately reversed around and became very thankful for what I have, for what I am accepting and receiving into my life. And I went back into the scriptures and went back and remembered what the Bible talks about. And it says that Jesus has died for all of us so that we can all prosper in every area of our life, every area, and that includes money. And this specific quote, I took it as being money, and that's not the case. I reversed it around and did an affirmation for myself and was thankful for everything that I have in my life and everything that I am going to receive, and I accept it and I take it because there is a reason for us to be here. There is a purpose for us, and it's not our net worth. Bingo. I'm glad you shared that, Julia, because when I started writing Pay Me What I'm Worth and I was researching 
the concept of worth, the Internet searches, the library searches, so forth and so on, 85% of the material seem fixated on the fact that your worth is equal sign bank statements, land values, investments. And while that's easy to quantify, that's easy for us to look at, which is the purpose of chapter one, is really looking at stuff, stuff that we can touch, taste, see, feel, and hear. And those things that we can touch, taste, see, feel, and hear – from a human perspective, we can judge it, right? Correct. The work we're doing, it's so internalized. When you go to the salon and you get your hair done or you get your nails done and you come home, people go, oh, look at that great hairdo. Oh, look at those fabulous nails. The work that we're doing in our journey together here, it's so subtle. But at the same time, people probably are already noticing changes in you and that makes it concrete just like a desk is or just like a car is or something that we can see or smell right right is this making any sense or am i being just a little too esoteric no it makes sense. makes perfect sense from a bias there's not enough money in the world you can take all the money there is in the world all the currencies everything every single penny pound and peso you can combine it all together all the money in all the banks in all the worlds is not worth one grain of sand for one minute of one person's life. So when I get authors and experts telling me that my self-esteem is based on my net worth, I look at them like, sweetheart, been there, done that, almost killed me. There's something much, much more, and let's explore, shall we? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> one way our ground rules help us, is it acts like a lifeguard. How many of you sensed or thought at the beginning of our journey that we'd start out at the kitty end of the pool and we'd slowly work down to the deep end, all of a sudden to discover you're in the ocean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought that. <laughs> yeah. I was literally like, what does he mean, preface? We ain't even in chapter one, and I'm feeling off some kind of way already. <laughs> How are the ground rules our lifeguards? Any ideas on that? And to keep us from sabotaging ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think a big one is doing things when it feels good. That keeps you safe. If it's not feeling good, then, of course, that's something to let you know that you need to do some exploring. It gives you permission to do it as you can. There's a secondary round of lifeguards that I'd like to bring up in today's journey. Christina, I suggested that we take a reality check. Shall we dive into the reality check? Absolutely. We were discussing how there's three chairs of voices in our head. Let's just talk about those three chairs of voices that's in our head. Committee members, you all have been on a committee from time to time, yes? Yes. 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 You know what it's like to be a committee chair, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. You're responsible for the dialogue, yeah? Correct. Correct. Now, I realize that all of you have retired this chair in your mind. None of you have issues with judging critiquing 
or perfectionism. I realize you've all retired each of those, right? <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our internal judge, our internal perfectionist, our internal critic, those chairs in our heads causes all sorts of chatter. True? Yes, very true. Piece of paper and pencil time. I'll kick it off by defining the difference between the judge and the critic, because those kind of sound the same, don't they? Yeah. The difference is depth, meaning the critic is more surfacy. The critic is, oh, look at that ugly color of blah, blah, blah. The critic is, oh, my God, I can't believe that person said that. It's very transitory, very surfacy. Whereas the judge taps into our belief systems, belief systems that are knitted together with possibly religious or spiritual connotations or flavors to them, deep stuff, the stuff that really strikes at our core, whereas the critic is more of the flippant movie critic sort of thing. So those are the differences between the two. So on a scale of 1 to 10, we're going to rank how you're doing right now. And here's a little trick that if you are so inclined, each day get out a little card Write the word judge, critic, and perfectionist. You could do this on your calendar. Judge, critic, and perfectionist. Each day, score yourself. How active was this voice in your head? On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being absent. Very little chatter happening. 10 being absolutely obsessive. It's taken over your day. On a scale of 1 to 10, right now, today... How would you rank your internal perfectionist? Write it down on a piece of paper. Perfectionist meaning there's that part of you that you just got to have something done a certain way, and if it's not done that certain way, you just don't move forward. Once you've written it down, if you feel so inclined and you're open to being transparent with our journey, if you want to share your score and the reason why you scored that way, feel free. I scored myself a five. I know I'm a perfectionist with my work. I like things done a certain way. I like to make sure I have everything around me that I need to make sure it's done a certain way. But that doesn't really carry over to my personal life as much. Point very well made. I was actually doing a two-level scoring, too. With my business, I'm at a seven. I'm very perfectionist-oriented, but I'm moving from the need to be perfectionist and just take action and letting the answers come. With my job, I'm actually at a, a five, and that has caused a little dissonance with me because, for me, that's an indication of just how many negative feelings I'm associating with my job. So I'm going through the motions at my job, and that is certainly not who I am. Uh, So that's causing some dissonance within me because I do all that I can to the best of my ability. And in my personal life, I would say I score high on the perfectionist, except for when it comes to cleaning the house. (laughs) (laughs) And at that one, I would probably rate myself a two. (laughs) Not even that, probably. (laughs) That's funny, Christina. (laughs) I'm going to say with my house, I'm probably a seven. 
Please, you're like a nine, easy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I was a nine when I was working because there was just so many things that had to get done, such a little bit of time that I had. Everything had to be perfect because I didn't want to go back to it again. I just wanted to move forward. Everything just had to be perfect. And now that I've been out of work for the last two weeks. It's not a priority anymore. I don't have anything where I feel needs to be rushed or anything that has to be perfect anymore. What has to be perfect for me is the actual moment that I'm in. I was missing that when I was working and running home and running to work, and I wasn't enjoying the moments. And now that I am, I'm just a totally different person than I was two weeks ago just completely. I'm even shocked myself that I'm not getting angry at things that are very minute and didn't matter. I'm taking in more information. (laughs) I remember one time speaking to Christina and I said, you have all this stuff to read and I'm like fast reading, but I'm not taking the information in. And I noticed now that I'm taking my time to read and I even became aware of it. And if I catch myself, I'll go back to that chapter and read it again where in the past I have missed important information because I was always rushing. And now I just value my life more and the time that I have with my family. I mean, if the house is a little messy, it's a little messy. I can come back to it and not be so crazy about it. I'm not being obsessive about what the household was like before. I was a 10 before, now I'm a 7 which is a good thing if I'm going lower on that part because I don't think it's healthy to be obsessive about something. It just creates more stress. Yeah, for sure. My business, I'm not as obsessive of it as I was before. I feel like I'm learning who I am. I'm putting out better content. I'm putting out my own content. I'm taking the time to learn it. My content is better, and so I'm just more satisfied with what I'm putting out there. It just makes me a happier person, so I'm not obsessing over it as like I was before where I was, oh, i got to get this out there and just push it out there, and it's not like that no more. Cool. So, Marsha, real quickly, where are you at on that? (laughs) This is really what a question, what a way to look at things. You ladies know that within this past month, I have been taking that journey where I'm making changes. I'm starting to really do things as I feel the flow of energy I respond to. As far as my business goes, I'm actually in that flow of energy where I'm actually taking more actions because I have to at this point. I've got to let my team know what my plans are. My mentor still wants to keep in contact with me. I did tell him, say, I'm changing companies. So, And he was very cordial with me about it. He was very nice about it. And, of course, they still want me to do the Saturday night skills call with mentoring for free. And I'm like, well, yes, I'd be more than happy to do that. I'm just going in that flow of energy where when I get on the sites that I have to get on, I'm not worried about what I'm doing. I'm just thinking, I'm focused on what I need to do. So what would you say your score would be on that, Marcia? I'd probably say my score right now is at three. If I'm posting on Facebook or I'm basically taking more actions right now by talking to people that I need to talk to. I'm a social butterfly. If all of a sudden somebody starts chatting with me, I'm going to chat with them. I'm going to tell them what I'm doing, where I'm at. So that's good. So 
It sounds like we were running the range on the perfectionist level, so but we've all experienced a reduction in that score. Let's move over to the judging then. Where would you score yourself on a 1 to 10 level on that, uh, Chelsea? Hmm. As a social worker, I like to think that I'm non-judgmental, but for anyone who says that they never have a judgment on anything, they're basically lying. I would score myself somewhere in the middle again. I'm working with veterans, so for me it's very important that I do above and beyond the call of duty and do everything I absolutely can for them and their families because it affects their lives. So when I work with other social workers who don't quite have that mentality, I'm sure that there's a part of me that's judging that all social workers are not created equal. They may have a different way of doing it than I do, but it, they usually get the job done. But I always, in my mind, lots of times I'm thinking I probably would have done that a little differently. That's a natural thing. And Marsha, where would you put yourself as far as a 1 to 10 on judge? When it comes to myself, I'm my worst judge. <laughs> I judge myself more before I judge somebody else. Okay. I'll probably give myself a six on judging. Where are you on being a critic, Marsha? Okay, I'm going to be real devil's advocate here. When it comes to critic, let's bring it home. You're standing in front of a full-length mirror naked. Judge yourself on critic. (laughs) Ah, yes, Lord. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Ten. What? (laughs) Oh, definitely a seven. (laughs) I'm with Chelsea, I'm a ten. (laughs) The reason why I did that is because our critics, our internal critic voices, we're taught from such an early age to criticize, don't we? I mean, think about this. Think about some of your earliest memories of your parents and of your siblings and friends. Were some of those earliest memories based on being criticized? It's funny because when I lived in Japan, I never felt out of place. But I'm going to tell you, when I moved to the United States, I really felt different. I felt that a lot of people would look at me strange, like there was something wrong with me. So on the surface of it all, I don't know. I always felt like people were talking about me because I was different, because I had long hair, because I didn't speak English quite clearly. I didn't have their accent. or. One of the more interesting aspects of the Japanese culture that I have discovered, that it's a powerful teacher. Uh-huh. I've been taught that the Japanese culture, you never criticize anyone, period, end of uh-huh. story. You just okay. don't. That's socially unacceptable. However, in close familial relationships, they criticize all the time. That criticism would never be talked outside the family. And if it were, it's a a shameful thing. So there's a whole lot of criticizing going on that's not being talked about. Right. So one of the more intriguing aspects that I want to bring up about criticism is it's so subtle. And when it comes to our material things, each one of you in your blog posts, there's subtle nuances I want you to play with so that as we get into exercise six, that one-page summary of our first chapter together, really allow that stewing, that taking time to smell and taste 
what's been simmering. And look at, for example, Marcia, you were talking about this chapter seemed to be a bit esoteric for you because you don't have a whole lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You're critiquing yourself in a way that it's more of a detached feeling of stuff, which is great. And Chelsea, you talked about a very potent moment of reckoning with one particular item, and it brought up a lot of memory around one particular item and how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. These will peak our judge, our critic, and our perfectionists. And the primary concern that I have about Chapter 1 is worth decay based on the physical world. Worth decay based on the physical world. As we age, our appearance changes. As it changes, our critic kicks in. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. As we age and our stuff ages and we look around our home and we see all the brand new stuff out there because every commercial we're seeing is, have you updated to the latest this and that and the other? I know people who literally are eating macaroni and cheese today because they just paid for a complete redo of their living room set. They would rather sacrifice their physical health and eat poor food because the people that they're bringing into their home, they're too afraid of being judged if they don't have the latest carpet and granite countertops. Anybody know anybody like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See where I'm going with this, this whole stuff thing? It needs to be grounded because worth decay. We all know what, what tooth decay is, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a physical thing. Now, tooth decay starts often unnoticed, right? Right. And it's not until we're going, ouch, oh, God, that hurt. Something happened with our teeth, right? Right. Now we're forced to take action, yeah? That's good. So worth decay, based on our physical world, it's very easy to feel less worthy because the walls have scratches in it. The car has a dent in it. The diamond ring you're wearing is no longer the bigger diamond ring. What, whatever it is that our physical world is looking at, all of a sudden, oh my God, you broke that vase. You lost something. Worth decay chips in, the critic, the perfectionist, the judge, starts some insidious conversations in our mind. So I encourage all of you, think about daily, at least weekly, being mindful how much voice time is happening with our judge, our perfectionist, and our critic. So when it comes to critics, think about key times. One of the reasons why we go through an entire year together is because we go through the seasons, we go through the holidays. I know my critic kicks in more in December. My perfectionist is challenged more in December. Any ideas why? Yeah, because you got it. It's Christmas time, and there's that buying gifts, and you're going to be seeing more family and friends, so you got to get a new outfit because you can't fit anything in the closet and all that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And you're sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, last time – at the last event, so-and-so was looking all good, and she's all, she's like 20 years older than me and starting to get bags under my eyes or something like that, yeah. <laughs> so our physical world, our first chapter, as a sidebar, 
every insurance agent I've ever met, every property insurance agent I've ever met, adores Chapter 1. Why? Because it's the beginning process of discovering yourself and what you value as a person. Doesn't it behoove you as property owners to have complete, detailed lists of every piece of property you own? Yes, it means something. How many of you have a listing that spells out what it is, when you bought it, how much it costs, and what the replacement value is? I don't. No, I don't. I don't. I started one, and then you know what? I said, oh, no, this is too much. You know what? It really wasn't too much because of the thing. It was, now that I think about it, it was too much because of, I was being a critic. Mm-hmm. Bite-sized pieces. I encourage all of you as we get into shifting into wrapping up our material world overview is on your calendar, write the word upstairs closet or garage or living room or whatever terms that you apply to your physical locations. Write down a word and once a month, go into that room. Start inventorying it. Start getting a true handle on it. Now, Marsha, you're ahead of the game. This is You're done with this. <laughs> like, all right, don't rub it in our faces going forward. But you see what I'm saying is bite-sized pieces go in little by little. I'll never forget when I was sitting in my living room and I had hundreds of post-it notes all around me with words on it, feeling obligated, feeling happy, feeling sad, feeling curious. I know that, uh, Christina, you were talking about your material world brings in or inspires an extraordinary sense of obligation, yeah? Yep. Yeah. I sat in there and I looked at those post-it notes and I pretended that each one of them was a voice talking to me. And I allowed them to all talk at once. And I allowed myself to feel overwhelmed. I had to move through that feeling that if tomorrow a flood washed away everything, and on the Big Island, a tsunami is, we've had a couple of them. If everything got washed away, does that mean my sense of worth is washed away? I have met people who still today, because of Hurricane Katrina, how long ago was Hurricane Katrina? Ten years or, or more, right? I know a couple of people who literally lost everything from Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Everything. And to this day, they are still lost because in their mind, the government hasn't done X, Y, or Z. They're lost. They have no sense of themselves. They're barely making out a day-to-day -day existence because everything got washed away. And I thought to myself, wow. Yeah. I don't know what to do for them because they're so s fixated on... Who they are is based on what they had. Marsha, briefly, can you share what shifted your mentality around materialism? I mean, when you move from the islands to the mainland, it's easy to go, oh, God, I just don't want to pay for it all moving it over here. That's one logical way of just control-alt-delete. But was there something else inside you that said, you know what, this material stuff, I don't need it? What really shifted it for me, when I was talking to my mom and my brother back and forth, in speaking to my mom, she was telling me a little bit about my uncle. 
And something inside of me just said, I really have to get home. I have to be with family because my uncle was really in a state where he was going to pass away. And he was one of my favorite uncles, his goddaughter. And we were close. And he was always so good to me. And something inside of me just said, oh, my gosh, what is most important in my life is people in my life. And I didn't want to miss out on being with him on his last day. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Marcia, the pivot that happened in your life is you prioritized a relationship yeah. with a person over a relationship with stuff. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Exactly. That's what happened, yes. There's a series out there. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. Anybody hear of this series? I have. Yes. Yes. Yes, I have. Don'tSweat.com. D-O-N-T-S-W-E-A-T.com. I'm plugging it for today such that I bet somebody has a story of a time where someone damaged something and it caused all hell to break loose. Who has a story around that? There was a knife set that I had. I really liked it a lot. My husband came to me. It was a Santuku knife. He had broken off the tip of it. He showed it to me. The knife is broken. I was upset about it, but I wasn't crying or anything. You could see that, you know, it, that I was hurt over it. And he actually got upset about it. And not upset at me. He was upset that he had broke the knife, and he was really hard on himself. And I you know, just like had to calm him down and tell him, it's okay. We can always get another knife. His reaction to how I was reacting was found myself trying to help him not sweat the small stuff. I mean, it's upsetting, but it's okay. Just a knife. Has anybody ever damaged the family car? can remember a situation when my dad got really upset because we spilled something in the back of the car. And I'll never forget how so upsetting to hear see my dad get upset, and he was upset with all of us. I mean, we were all in big trouble then. But I'll never forget that because when that happened, all of the kids and I, we were so scared. We were going to get trouble. We were going to get pankings and this and that. I don't even remember who spilt it or what because it happened so long ago, but I'll just remember it. I, I remember the emotional turmoil that we all went through because of that incident. I remember thinking, oh, when I grow up, I never get upset with my kids like that. I really have never gotten them upset with my kids over things that break and little things like that just don't matter to me. What matters is how my kids are feeling emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So I have a really good one. I think back in my early 20s, I had one of my good friends and was a roommate at one time. I felt like she didn't show up for me. She had an operation and I went out of my way to be there for her. I uprooted my life to help care for her, take care of her life. I had even volunteered to take her 30 miles in the other direction from what I would have had to go to get to my job, which would have meant basically me waking up and getting everything together in my life two hours earlier than normal. I willingly volunteered to do that. And then my car broke down all of a sudden, and 
when she could have anted up and been like, hey, here, let's, let's use my car to help you help me, she didn't show up. And I held on to that for so many years. It's yeah. big, it very big how I felt about our friendship. And it's kind of weird because after I let that go, it was like I was lighter and it was like I had held myself from moving forward just in life in general because now that I think about it in your discussion on the decay of what it can do to our life, I really, that was a, would be a great example of how we allow feelings of something that happened to us continue to perpetuate and hold us back in life. Our stuff is tangible, concrete reminders. Our body, our skin, our appearance, our physical strength, our furniture, our house, our car, our clothes, the way we cook. All of this physical world stuff helps or hurts our sense of worth. And so for our first journey through our physical world, I'm glad to see you all getting in touch with how you're linking to emotions because true or false, emotions, strong emotions, strong feelings imprint into our mind at a level that carries throughout our lifetime. True or false? True. 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 Those emotions that you all just spoke of right now, addressing them, looking at them, reassessing them, do they have a sell-by date? And your story that you just shared, Christina, is a wonderful example of saying, wow, maybe I started treating other friends less friendlier because this one friend whom I willingly did X, Y, and Z for gave me a strong reality check. When we marry this conversation, we marry this journey to one of our original conversations around choice. Where do you think I'm going with this? We absolutely choose to let ourselves be in that negative feeling rather than choosing to accept and take from it whatever we need to and Mm -hmm. let the rest of it go. Right, yes. That imprints. You know what else? Oh, soul, I just had an aha moment. That even imprints an expectation. And with expectation comes doubt, shame, and worry. Because from that point on, my expectation with that friend was that she couldn't be counted on. She was extremely selfish, and I could not count on her for anything. Mm-hmm. That was my expectation of her. So I did let that affect my relationships over a decade. Well, it also helped you dance with hypocrisy. It did. It did indeed. <laughs> you ain't got to point it out, but it is. <laughs> when I hear people willingly, voluntarily chose dot, 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 and then a few minutes later, I'm the victim because dot, 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 Wait a minute. If you willingly, voluntarily, then you did what just Christina mentioned, you added expectations. And when those expectations got involved, you no longer willingly did anything. You were being manipulative. We're setting the stage for Chapter 10, Mm -hmm. Gratitude Guidelines. But 
see how I'm purposefully stirring things up with our physical world for you all to get in touch with. There are choices you make right now today based on your physical world. What's expiration date? Have you looked at the fact that there may be an expiration date that's long gone? It's time to choose to let something go. Here's a classic example. Growing up, my aunts constantly looked at my finger and didn't see a wedding ring on it. My aunts were of the cohort that if you weren't married and producing children by the age of 18 and 19 years old, there's something wrong with you. You've got to remember, my aunts grew up in the 30s and 40s, and in the 30s and 40s, it was fairly common for you to marry at 15, 16, 17 years of age and starting a family at no later than 18, 19 years of age. Chelsea, you can confirm these data is true? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So they'd look at my finger, and they'd see no wedding ring on it. And I'm 20, I'm 25, I'm 30, and I'm constantly getting pestered. Why am I not married? I'm not as worth as much in their eye as if I were married, right? Mm-hmm. So one family reunion, I decided to lower the boom. I said, because it would be illegal for me to get married. And I left it at that. And you should have seen the priceless looks <laughs> on their faces. I love it. I love that. <laughs> That's still true today in 13 states. In 13 states, I can marry people. I am a licensed wedding officiant. In 13 states today, as of this call, I can marry people, but I cannot get married in that state. And if there's not a more profound view around material world, let's look at what a typical wedding does, Yeah. I'm going to throw out an invitation that your one-page summary can be artistic. Your one-page summary can be a picture. Your one-page summary can be a collage of images. Your one-page summary could be a song that capsulates what you've learned in this chapter. So while this one-page summary can be just kind of like a diary entry, and fantastic diary entry, by the way, to Julia. My gosh, I read that, and I'm still trying to figure out what I, how I'm going to reply. But you, you've, got your one, <laughs> you've got your one-pager, I think, almost done. But as you think about summarizing this, I invite you to really allow yourself to just state, marinate what you've experienced, and put that in your summary. This chapter also helped me. For instance, my mother always told me, don't get married, don't get married, don't get married. I married at 40. I didn't marry. I had children and so forth, and I lived with someone as if I was his wife. Eventually, I left him. If I didn't marry my husband now, I think I would have still been living in that experience that my mother had with my dad. I'm just glad that I didn't follow her instructions in this case. This experience with Pay Me What I'm Worth actually has brought me back to the beginning of when I first met my husband. And the time that we have together now, it just brings so much joy to us now. And and it brings me back to thinking what my mother was saying. Don't get married. I'm not living her experience, and we shouldn't live the lives of everyone else's experience. We have to go with our gut feeling and go what's right. And today I value my relationship with my husband the way I did when I first met him. I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Each of you 
have done a tremendous amount of work, and I am so proud of each of you for the hard work that you're doing. And you're setting the stage to do just tremendous journeying over the next, we're finished now with month, almost month two. Can you believe it? Wow. Wow. That, I didn't even realize that. I'm just so, just so into the moment I didn't realize that time had passed by so quickly. Wow. Okay. Yeah, time's really flying. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. When we started this journey, it was going to be, oh, my God, a year? <laughs> Another ground <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Exercise six is the second half of chapter one. As you're doing your one-page summary, this is something that you're going to want to have to, to go back and reference over the coming years, and should you decide that you want to also lead teams and do your own team leading, which I think everyone here has interest in doing, this is sort of your guide. So you definitely want to make sure to to get it to a good, strong one page of really good summary and value. And I just would direct you back to the page 19 towards the bottom where it gives you a guide as to what to include in your paragraph, okay? That should help out a little bit. Yeah, that was very helpful. Yeah. I'm just curious. On page 20, when he's got, if it seems impossible to condense things down into one page, write as many pages as you need, then sleep on it and allow your subconscious mind to weed through your results and slowly boil things down to their essence. Did anybody have any aha moments after you slept on it and woke up the next day? Did you have any aha moments? I had an aha moment. I kept going back to the exercise five. I kept going back to that degree, and I kept looking and looking, and I realized something that I blocked, and that was my graduation ring. I remembered that ring being stolen from an ex-boyfriend along with a watch that I had. And I was very surprised that I had blocked that from my memory because that ring meant so much to me. I talked to my husband about it. I actually found the graduation ring book. And so we're looking to purchase that ring again for myself. The aha moment for me was a surprise to me that I actually blocked that from my mind. It's kind of crazy the things that come swarming back <laughs> as you go through these exercises. Yeah, I mean, there were other things, too, like the picture of, of my brother, he's deceased and died at 35, and I had this one picture of him. I don't know what happened to it, and I asked my husband because we were painting the house, and he said he put it in storage along with a picture of my mom. I told him that meant a lot to me. He was very apologetic about it. We're going to go tonight, go to the storage and get those pictures again and put them back on the wall. But I didn't even realize that they were gone. But once I realized that that ring was missing, I started looking around the house to see what I didn't have. Interesting. And that speaks to one of those things that speaks to the discussion we had last week when we were talking about clutter and, and moving things around. Was it last week or week before last? I'm starting to run together now. But clutter and, and moving things around and really what carries value for you and everything and, if, and how you, you don't miss it really when you're not thinking about it. So where yeah. that level of value is is kind of interesting. It's sometimes, for me, I've come to think about it as like a comfort. It's kind of like when you first buy a house or a new condo or apartment or something like that, before you get the, the furniture in it and everything in it is kind of a dwelling, right? 
then you move some furniture in it, and it starts to feel like, okay. But then when you get your pictures up on the wall and you get your touch-me-nots, your little trinkets up here on the shelves and everything, then it becomes a home, right? Like that's the way things – I think that was my aha moment this week when I started revisiting Exercise 5 and bringing it forward to this one-page summary. Things just make you feel at home. But when it comes to the level, really the value that it brings to you, that's where the rubber meets the road. Mm-hmm. Right. I think one of my biggest aha moments through this so far has been the exercise on choice. I had read a book one time, and it talked about we choose to suffer. Sometimes by the choices we make, by staying in a bad relationship or something similar to that, we are actually choosing to suffer. I've been able to be more conscious of how I choose to react to a situation and how I choose to let it influence my mood for the day, such as at work. I've been more conscious about that and have been able to have better control over it. That's That's awesome. As we begin to wrap up the call and everything, I wanted to drive another discussion home just really quickly, and that is on page 20. When your awareness of self-worth depends or deepens, it builds your awareness of worth in others. When you honor the worth of others, you honor your own worth as well. What goes around comes around. If you don't value someone for what they're worth, don't be surprised if your worth is valued less as well. And when I read that, I was like, hmm, you know, I'll get to feeling some kind of way at work. I'm like, they don't value me. They don't appreciate me. And I get to feeling someone kind of way, like I'm in my feelings about it, right? That made me turn the mirror around on myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, what's good for the goose isn't so good for the gander, I suppose. (laughs) I wonder how did that part strike anyone else? Oh, absolutely. What it really does is make you look at what is important to you, but also appreciation. What have you appreciated about another person? What is it that, without the monetary value there behind it, what is it that you can appreciate? It's really teaching me to actually start more of appreciation in others and what their value is to me. As the critic, I was so happy when my actual mentor was so very nice to me about my decision. In the back of my head, I was like worried about it in some ways. What am I going to say? I knew I was just going to speak from the heart, and he actually responded back speaking from the heart. So I really appreciate valuing other people and that they can see the value in me. It's tough. So as we start to wind down and put a bow on this exercise stick, with your newfound levels of self-awareness, confidence, passion, are you now readily able to proclaim that you're worth it? Like after you've evaluated the thing, your self-worth as it relates to things, can you shout that out loud without hesitation and really mean it? I am worth it. I am worth it. 
I am worth it. <laughs> I am so absolutely worth it. <laughs> Love it. In our next exercise, exercise seven, whoo, we can right deal with the, the internal worth value uh, with your skill and, and those things that at first glance you'll probably say, I don't have a lot to bring to the table. We're really getting ready to deal with that internal worth. And, whoo, I expect to do some serious plowing in this next <laughs> exercise. <laughs> so before we wrap up the call, are there any parting thoughts, questions? Follow the instructions that are in the book. If you find yourself having a little bit of difficulty putting down your content in writing or even thinking about what you need to say um, or what you want to say, just go back to the chapter and follow the instructions and the hints and the clues that are provided in the book because this is going to give you guidance and once you get started, everything will just start to flow. And it doesn't have to be perfect. That's the, the best thing about free flow writing, that mm -hmm. it's truly coming from your heart and your soul. So don't worry about it being perfection. That's correct. It's your story and there's nothing wrong with your story. Exactly. Yeah. And I can tell that, that, that we're starting to get a little bit more in the groove, some of us, with, with this blogging and really doing some exploring rather than analyzing with the posts. I can tell because I'm like, Literally, I'm reading them, and then I'm like, okay, I'll, let me go to something else and think on that. Okay, I'll go back to it. I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> so the, the posts are making me think more, so I can tell, like, we're just starting to dig, and I'm loving it, I'm loving it, I'm loving it, which is one of the things that I wanted to talk about. Here's an opportunity, guys, that we are at Soul really pointed out to us a few weeks ago. We're, we're part of a legacy here. We're part of a legacy-building moment here. And this is a new, profound kind of movement. And it's, a, it's one of those things that starts to ground up and it's got to swell out, right? And so we're some pioneers in that. Well, I'm done. Any other thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, cuss words? <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys, and I uh, look forward to talking to you soon. Sounds love you guys. Okay, thank you, you guys. Have a wonderful thank weekend. You. Yes, sir. Good work. Have a wonderful week. Thank you. Good night. Bye-bye. 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 Christina Irvin here, and I want to thank you for joining us as we continue to explore worth as it relates to life's abundance. If you resonate with this discussion and know that it's time to make a change, we start new teams on the first Saturday of every month, and I encourage you to take action now. Until next time, you have a great day. To get involved in Christina's classes, call her at 423-737-5809. Again, Christina's number is 423-737-5809 to learn how you can join one of her upcoming groups. Aloha.